time now finally to look back on what is a largely completed offseason for the Western Conference. We're going to go in alphabetical order starting with Dallas ending with Utah. We're sponsored today by Audible. Get a free audiobook with a 30-day trial at audible.com slash capspace. Okay, let's get right to it, Danny. The Dallas Mavericks, why don't we just talk about what they did here before we give them a grade? So the biggest thing that they did was drafting Dennis Smith in the first round. They also decided to stay over the cap, which was a surprise. And so they traded AJ Hammonds and they actually had a trade exception from the Andrew Bogut deal. So they used that they traded Hammonds to to the Heat in exchange. They got a future second round pick and Josh McRoberts and a bunch of cash. They basically paid most of his contract to eat that salary. And then the other big thing that they did, well, they re-signed Dirk about five million a year with the team option for the second year. And then we still don't know with Nerlens. Nerlens Dewell is still a restricted free agent hanging out there on a very very thin market. Yeah, that's definitely the case. That McRoberts trade, I liked that one for them because Hammonds, I looked at him as dead money. He was 24, did not play well in the D-League last year and had a third year guaranteed on his contract, which actually was about $1.5 million, maybe a little bit more than that, whatever the minimum was for 2018. It seems like the plan here is a cogent one. Sticking with this developing young core, they got Smith, which they're happy with. They're talked that they would get into the point guard market. Now with adding him, they believe that no longer was necessary. And taking on McRoberts probably can't play anymore, but the money for this year doesn't matter. And they get that 2023 second round. They get the cash, which is $5.1 million, as much as Miami could possibly send. The second rounder being 2023, you have to discount it, of course, because it's so far away. But who knows where Miami will be at that time. And this is one of those teams that actually could look that far ahead because they have had such a stable ownership and management and coaching group so I think they're not necessarily going to try and compete although I think they could be better than some people think this season they have now begun to put together a nice young core assuming of course that they can get Noel to come back a lot of this is still incomplete as we've seen with some of these teams here you know if they really overpay him this grade goes down if they can get him on a long-term deal it goes up if he takes the qualifying offer and then he can leave next summer it goes down they got to find that good middle ground with him and it seems like the standoff could drag on one other thing i wanted to note is that while choosing to spend to likely use cap space in 2018 as opposed to 2017 is largely a good idea just because there are so few teams that will have money then it is more precarious because of wes matthews he is a big part of why they would have space and he has a player option that he could just pick up and that would change it and i'm not sure if there would be a market for it because probably him picking it up would mean that he disappointed this year so then you might not find a team to take on that you might have to throw some assets granted they have the assets to throw at it and there were some good contracts this year I was thinking about them as a potential like Jonathan Simmons suitor or something like that and so I do think that it was the right decision but it was a closer call for them than others but then at the same point the argument that you can make is other than the Lakers and well maybe a few other interesting teams that have space they won't have to be competing for max level guys the way that they did a few years ago when it was the wide open markets and they were falling just short all these times. Yeah, that's a great point there. Dirk getting him to sign on for $5 million, a team option then for next year, which they probably will decline on him that, to see where he ends up. But still, I mean, the fact that they've been able to get him to buy into this organization. And remember, he could be giving them the Kobe Bryant right now, where he'd be demanding the max until the very moment he retires. He's not doing that. They have worked out an arrangement with him through their culture, whether it's through 
something a little bit more untoward than that future arrangements we'll never know that but i agree and even if west matthews opts in as of now they should have 33 million in space for next year obviously whatever noel gets will come out of that they also would need to re-sign seth curry at that time should they want to uh, i went ultimately for them with an a minus what do you think of that i don't like that we agree i i gave them exactly the same grade because it was a phenomenal offseason and something that i'm trying to do this year is focus more on the big stuff than the small stuff and the yeah. biggest things they got right they dennis smith was the best pick available to them and i don't give them as huge a burst because he was the right guy it was it's just like if you pick the right guy at number one i'm not going to give you a huge burst but they did it yeah. and that's great and then they were they were patient with everything else and they were one of the few teams that actually exhibited that didn't add on bad contracts and one small thing before we move on with them is the seth curry part of this so seth will be an unrestricted free agent next year but they will have early bird rights on him which means that depending on what they're going to pay him they could use a cap they could use an exception or they could use cap space but if they're a cap space team they they you know so it'll depend on the price he gets but i think that what they've done has set up a lot of flexibility for next year they just have to do something with it yeah maybe you could make the argument that an a minus is too high because who the hell else were they going to take there besides dennis smith you know they weren't going to take but i mean the same thing i mean we had argued for him to be taken by other teams and they didn't do it so i mean i I think that you have to give them credit for and 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 for also for giving him the keys and while some point guards got reasonable contracts this year a lot of other ones didn't and oh that was one demerit too that we didn't talk about was i don't understand why devin harris is still on this team i mean you could say that it's not that when they stayed over the cap the opportunity cost was a lot yeah, lower i think that is than what it would, I would have been. say actually yeah but they still like i, I want to see how they use these last couple roster spots because they still need a little bit more kind of like rotation level depth at i would say the forward spots maybe even at the two they're not terrible at any of those but i just like would like to see a little bit more because they have just a ton of point guards yeah but carly at least will play those point guards together a lot so you can get some more use out of it that way we'll move on to the denver nuggets see what we thought of them adding paul Millsap. but first this from audible thank you to them for supporting today's show i have actually used audible since 2005 and i've listened to countless books i love to just relax listen to some sci-fi some great books i've listened to recently on audible a great series called The Three-Body Problem. It's definitely pretty dense, but Audible always has great readers to help you through that type of stuff. Really one of the more unique science fiction books that I've read. It's by... uh Chinese writer named Lu Xixin, who I am not pronouncing correctly, no doubt. But I really recommend that one, and I recommend Audible in general. They also have this WhisperSync technology in concert with Amazon, where if you have a book on your Kindle, you're up late reading the night before, you don't want to go to bed. You know we all stay up way too late reading a great book, but at some point you have to go to bed. But this way, when you get in the car to go to work the next day, you can just pick up right where you left off, automatically listening in Audible in your car, on the train, or however it is that you're listening so when you get started with audible and their unmatched selection of audiobooks original audio shows news comedy and more from the leading publishers broadcasters entertainers and business information providers you can get a free audiobook with a 30-day trial at audible.com slash capspace that url slash capspace easy to remember because all of our promo codes involve it in some fashion or another audible.com slash capspace for a free audiobook with your 30-day trial okay danny i would like to just hear your grade first what did you have for the denver nuggets i gave them an a minus 
And do you want an explanation or do you want to save that? Yeah, yeah, I, I would. I'm imagining you're going to say, hey, they got the big stuff right. And so you're giving them most of the credit there. Those are the first five words of my the part I wrote for the analysis. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and 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 the big, not only did they get Millsap, but they did it on a team-friendly deal. I, the, I you know, we did, I, I had Denver in the mock-off season. I had Millsap going to Denver, but the contract they got him for was way better than I negotiated. And that's huge. But the minus comes from the way they did everything else. And you you could uh, you could easily slide this to like a B plus or a B. I just really like Millsap and his fit with his team and the contract he got. But not only trading down in the draft just for Trey Lyles, but using that pick on Tyler Lydon. Like the the downgrade from Donovan Mitchell to Tyler Lydon is absolutely massive from what I've seen so far. And yeah, we do have a little bit of summer league thrown in all that, and that hurts. And then Monte Morris, you know, we'll see if he makes the team. And then they lost Gallo, which I have no opposition to. You know, he got a price that they shouldn't have paid, so that's fine. And then the other kind of TBD element with them is Mason Plumley. It's looking like the market has dried up for him, but we don't know exactly what that's going to be yet. So I'm going A minus. I'm guessing you're going to be more in the B range, and I'm totally okay with that. Yeah, getting Millsap on that three minus one, three years, third year team option. Very impressive work for 30 million a year. They didn't even have to give him the max. There weren't really any other bidders, it looked like. And they did a great job of waiting out the market, getting a good feel for it. There was talk that Phoenix could be involved, although that was publicly reported that they wouldn't be. Minnesota, that potential suitor disappeared. The Hawks weren't interested in bringing him back. So at some point, they got to where he was the only option. But the opportunity cost, as you mentioned, is so low there. They had this cap space. What else were they going to be doing with? Really, you could just say, all right, it was either re-sign Gallo or bring Millsap back. And... Or, or I'm sorry, bring Millsap in. And he, of course, is such a wonderful fit with Jokic. And at 32, I think he'll be close to giving them good value on that contract, which again, that was money that wasn't going to go anywhere else, most likely. That was the good. I, I also think that they have had the absolute right approach with Mason Plumley so far. <clears throat> now we'll see when and if he eventually signs where that ends up. You know, I mean, we've seen teams apparently take a fiscally responsible approach to restricted free agents such as mason's brother and then all of a sudden sign them for a ton of money you know i really think that anything more than 20 million in guaranteed money for Plumley, whose cap hold remains on the books by the way they can exceed the cap to resign him anything more than that i would probably view it as a bad contract but we'll see i mean i'm sure he still had dreams of getting 15 million a year if not more than that over you know at least three years and and hopefully they will not succumb to that but all the evidence so far indicates they're doing a good job there they basically have the room exception still they still have about i think four or five million in room even with plumley's cap hold and one of the failures that I, I thought they had was i think they really needed another guy who could play defense on the wing with some size and some strength and there's hope that they're going to get Ananubi maybe at 24 which who, who wouldn't help this year but they still need that player long term in the pipeline and they did not get him mitchell maybe not that guy although he's closer to it than anyone that they had I can't knock it too much because I actually thought that was a good move for them. And then they drafted another power forward. They have a billion power forwards. And they got to do some kind of a trade to consolidate here. But roster slots around the league are precious. And so they may struggle to do that. Uh, there's one the more Gallows, thing I want to yeah. talk about, which is yeah, yeah. that it very well might not have been available. But the window that they had for making a consolidation trade is narrowing. And they, they just have all these players on their roster now, both at power forward because they've gone through, you know, adding these guys, Darrell 
Paul Arthur. I don't think they're going to trade the guys they yeah. just added. Maybe Wancho, all that. Um, Will Barton is another great example of this. Sure. Either Moutier or Jameer Nelson. And so they have all these players. They're all good. They're all on favorable contracts. Farid is a little bit more complicated. And the most logical path is to just have fewer guys. Ideally, ideally, you know, try to trade, you know, four quarters for a dollar. That's never going to happen. But do something. And the longer they wait on that, the harder it is to make those deals happen. And so they might have to, you know, just get less for each of them separately. And that might, you know, it might just be that nothing was ever on the table. But I, I downgrade. That's part of the minus as well, is that they're just losing opportunities with that the longer they wait. Yeah. And those guys, when they start the season, some of them not playing, their value is only going to go down. Moody A certainly could be in that category. I could see Malone still playing Jameer Nelson over him, which I think would be a mistake. And also they're now with the acquisition of Millsap are clearly moving into really wanting to make the playoffs this year wilson chandler is a free agent though again they have nothing to replace him at all at the three even when he leaves and he's been reportedly unhappy there but now with gallo gone he'll, he'll at least play more so i i do think that they had a lot of assets here also this deal that they would have made for kevin love i really disliked for them and then they wouldn't have gotten Millsap either by the way if they had made that they apparently got saved from that by kevin pritchard uh at least to hear it from those other team sides agreeing to the trade and then backing out via text message all that said uh i think because they got Millsap, i i would have to go with a b plus just because that's a great contract that they got him on he's really going to help them but there's a lot of stuff behind that that i think were some missed opportunities where they have these resources they needed to get that three man in the pipeline we've been talking about that forever and they really struck out uh on that again i think this offseason and we'll see what they're able to do as far as consolidating the roster they do have a lot of depth and uh you know, a lot depends, of course, on how well Jamal Murray is able to progress as well this season. Let's uh, let's move on to Golden State here. Why don't you start us off there? To run through basically what they did, the biggest element of the Warriors offseason was retention. They retain Curry, Durant, Iguodala, Livingston, Zazapachulia, David West, and recently JaVale McGee on what appears to be a one-year minimum contract. They Then the other changes were they lost Ian Clark, Matt Barnes, and James Michael McAdoo, and they added Nick Young, Omri Caspi, Jordan Bell. I gave them a straight A. It's hard to really kind of keep this together, and whatever the rationale, whether it's a Jedi mind trick or just Durant doing it feel this way, but his cutting salary beyond even the non-bird to go down so that they that saved ownership money is probably the most fair way to put it you know whether that directly added nick young or not that made them better you know i i know that you didn't in, you didn't love the nick young signing but getting nick young and Omri caspi for the prices they did looks good and buying jordan bell worked out well too yeah, I think so. I mean, we don't know how good Bell is going to be, but I already feel better about him than I did McAdoo. I was going to go with an A minus. I changed it to an A as well. I th- I just thought that Young was someone that was very redundant. But if that's you can get, if your players want him, that's part of keeping this culture together. Getting Steph Curry to not get a player option or a no trade was fantastic. Again, they got KD to take so much less. Iguodala maybe took a little bit more than people thought, but not that much more. And they at least avoided a no trade. I think everyone assumed that Sean Livingston was gone. He's back now. They paid him as well. I mean, the fact that Joe Lacob just was willing to green light this level of spending. Pachulia, they're able to get him to come back on the most they could pay him at non-bird. You know, they still needed a starting center. I mean, maybe you 
you could have made the argument that it would have been better to upgrade at starting center with that mini mid-level instead of getting Nick Young. But because they had Pachulia's non-bird rights, they felt they could bring him back and then also get better on the wing. Uh, and then maybe the hope is that Bell can play some minutes. They do need a more mobile center option, even though they have a ton of these. And now even getting McGee back, I mean, he's kind of redundant with Damian Jones. That, But they figured, hey, you know, we might as he'll McGee will probably still be better than Jones this year, certainly offensively. So why not bring him back for the minimum? It doesn't cost them anything. And they, they upgraded every every player that they lost. They upgraded basically. I mean, you just there's no real room for criticism at all. Yeah, here. Well, the only place for criticism is that I think they could use one more point guard just because Patrick McCaffrey and Clark. But I mean, Clark was was miscast as a point guard. You yeah, know? McCaw is a better is better at everything about being a point guard except shooting wide open three-pointers than Clark is well I think that do you think he can like run uh, not that they ever ask the guy yeah. in that second McCaw unit is to a do better it. pick and roll player and a better dribbler than Clark is Clark like can't even get the ball up court against pressure that's fair I, I think that maybe and, and this actually it might happen I don't have any intel on it but if they could move Kavon Looney and get a minimum guy who's a little bit more capable in case Curry got hurt that would be an option we'll have to we'll have to kind of see with that but it's but if, if that's what you're getting at is being a potential weak point then you know that you know that you're picking nits yeah and they got rid of the one guy that Kerr loved to play way too much which was McAdoo as well so they took <laughs> they, they like took that out of, out of their coach's hand I mean it really it was just absolutely fantastic I mean Caspi is every need that they had they filled the only criticism maybe is that Nick Young McCaw like there could be a little bit of disease of me here McCaw I think might actually be better than Young in a lot of situations and they're not really going to be able to play McCaw but even that has some benefits because when McCaw goes into free agency, if he's played less, he'll probably get less in free agency. Also, I'm going to write about this at some point, but McCaw now, this is not something the Warriors did well, but so many other teams spending money for next year means that there will be a smaller market for McCaw. So they might, it might even just kind of played into their hands by the virtue of other teams' actions. Oh, and also the fact that they weren't able to get Bell on a three-year deal and yeah. instead because they had to use the full mid level it seemed like on nick young uh who did apparently have other offers particularly in new orleans as we will get to uh but yeah i mean the, the only thing that they had to do that they didn't want to do probably was give that third year to andrea guadala uh but you know that's just money out of joe lakeup's pocket and he's been willing to spend it so far and with the warriors being the first team to do psls in basketball that will hopefully help them pay those exorbitant luxury tax bills Shall we continue? Yeah, the Rockets. So I want to go through the kind of what happened, but then I want you to go grade first because I feel like we'll talk about that. And then my, I, I think we're going to have a disagreement here. It's just an instinct. So they added Chris Paul through the massive trade. So that was Chris Paul for a future first round, uh, for a future first round pick, Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, Sam Decker, Montrez Harrell, Kyle Wilcher, and then an army of non-guaranteed guys. That was the biggest part of their offseason as it would have been for just about any other team on the planet. Then they added PJ Tucker, Luke Richard and Bob Mute, Tarek Black, Gochi, Isaiah Hartenstein, who I don't think is going to play for them this year, but they drafted him. And then they retained Nene, Troy Williams, and Bobby Brown. Yeah, I went with an A minus and they got Chris Paul. I really enjoyed that. That obviously and he's a max level player you got him didn't even have to pay him a max salary now they did have to give up a lot to get him giving up beverly lou williams decker montrell harrell and uh a first round pick as well top three protected 
might have liked it since the Clippers had no leverage at all if they could have at least not given up that first round pick obviously everything else was needed to make the salaries match they did do a great job of acquiring these non-guaranteed salaries to help out with trades although it looks like some of them will not be used uh I think that around the margins as well there are a lot of teams that we saw that either have big stars or acquired big stars and then maybe didn't do as good of a job after getting the big stars I thought Houston did absolutely as well as they could have in getting Tucker and Bob Mute. those are guys who can at least defend the Golden State Warriors Tarek Black a mobile center as well a guy who can keep the miles off Nene who they managed to bring back on three years 11 million with the non-bird exception after it looked like over 38 was going to torpedo that agreement Troy Williams did well in summer league Brown is Chris Paul's buddy and helped recruit him so that's why they're keeping him around Hartenstein didn't show much in summer league but for a guy in the middle of the second round he has NBA athleticism and uh, some modicum of skill he can develop over in Europe so yeah I mean I think it's got to be an A minus the only thing that I am bothered by is that I thought maybe having to give up that first round pick to the Clippers they could have avoided but you can look at it that way or you can look at it as well they would have had to give up all these assets to get rid of ryan anderson and sign chris paul outright and they also get him for pretty cheap now they can kind of try things out whether i would rather have just gotten paul in trade or just signed him to a new contract for 35 million a year right now for four years i don't know what do you think which of those would you rather have had do you you like it that they did this way or do you think (coughs) giving up the assets to clear salary but maybe you still hold on to guys like beverly lou williams probably would have had to go but they probably could have held on at beverly at least I like the trial run because it really might not work. I think there are some some perils with this, you know, with the I, I, I'm hopeful because it's it's just such a big difference for these guys. And, you know, I think it's today or tomorrow that they're playing together in the Drew League. So that'll be fun to see. I'm not sure if anybody I'm sure somebody will live stream it, but it's just a big risk. And so to have that kind of mutual out clause works reasonably well. And also there's just so few teams that have cap space. There's a possibility that you could get something in a sign and trade for him, which is fun functionally kind of what they did. So I would rather have it have it the way that they did it just because now if it doesn't work, you have you have a way of rebounding and doing it. If 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 you signed him to this contract, Paul's an older guy, you know, maybe if he gets hurt or something, then you're just sitting there saying, "Oh crap, this is what we are. We can't really move. It's hard to move him," something like that. And the Rockets have a bright future now either way. Yeah, I think the greater risk is just that it doesn't work perfectly and Paul just goes somewhere else. You know, I think that's the greater risk. So that's that's why you would have wanted to have him for longer, I think. But and now you're also risking potentially having to give him five years. They'll have f- full bird rights. He's going to be asking for a five-year max contract if it does work, and that of course it could get very precarious. We also I don't think mentioned that James Harden agreed to a designated player veteran extension, mm-hmm. so which has a player option on it. So, but that should be. I mean, he may be overpaid by the end of that. But again, you're locking him up now. It should and, oh, still one, be one okay small point on that too. I think that they benefited from the timing of that because if you kind of treat that as a constraint that they were going to have to give him that contract yeah. agreeing to it this year as opposed to next year avoiding the final year of what that contract because he would have been eligible is huge for them because if you think it's going to be bad at the end getting one let getting one year of negative value removed at zero cost to you is great well especially because as you were noting the other day when we were talking he automatically would have been eligible for that anyway right because he had made it uh 
no, actually, I, I don't think that's true, would it? Do you automatically already be eligible for it next year? Hasn't he made All-NBA the last two years? I don't think he made it. He might not ago. have made it two years ago or like last year. Yeah, when they went 41 and 41. No, you're right. Clay Thompson got that spot. He did not get it. Yeah, so there was some risk for him, much like with, with John Wall, although Harden, a good enough player that I think we all agree, especially if they have a good year, he's probably going to make it. But nonetheless, he could get injured or something and not be eligible. So good for him to uh, lock in there. There's some something that both of them got so uh yeah i ultimately went with a minus the minus only because i felt like maybe they give a little bit too much for paul but that is absolutely nitpicking and and uh i think they're in excellent position and we'll see whether you know they make this carmelo thing happen or not you can count me as skeptical that they're going to be able to find something there i think what ultimately ends up happening is mellow gets bought out but uh, just because a trade can't be agreed to because they're just not gonna be able to move ryan anderson and it's not worth it to trade your if you're basically saying hey we got to give up two first round picks for anderson to get anderson off our books and now to get Mel, do you really want to trade two first round picks for mel i don't think so but anyway yeah i think uh a minus uh for them and if i had to go it would be closer to an a if i had to pick a direction there i gave them a straight a i was not expecting to and the reason why is because i think i i, I do agree that they gave up too much in, or not too much they gave up more than i expected in the chris paul trade but why this is an a off season for me is because they added players on top of that that make more sense for what they're trying to do so they got more versatile defensive forwards that is something they need if they're going to try to compete to win the western conference and then theoretically if they do that to win the championship they need players like that and patrick beverly was a a wonderful player on a good contract but he was marginalized by having chris paul especially if they're going to do a stagger with paul and, and harden because if you do that then that opens up minutes with either one of them for eric gordon who is a better fit with that than beverly was and then the the forwards are good. I'm, I think Sam Decker was a nice player for them, but PJ Tucker is going to do more of what they need. PJ Tucker has a versatility defensively that is exceedingly important. And the fact that he can kind of slide on some of the bigger guys gives them something that they didn't have. Bob Mute, Tarek Black, you know, I don't think all those guys are going to move the needle a lot, but it's more bites at the apple and the ability to give up a little bit less in that trade by acquiring this army of non-guaranteed contracts was a nice piece of business by Daryl Morey. The other criticism the other point that I feel like we need to make just in talking about this was the short-lived embarrassment about the over 38 flub up with Nene that they couldn't give him the four-year contract that they wanted to and then they ended up since they couldn't give him four they ended up giving him a two plus one and that's a pretty significant difference considering it was a bargain of a contract because it's at you know the same value as Pachulius about a little over three million a year so if they could get the more years you can get a player that good on the better so that's a small thing but you know it's still worth mentioning. Also, that P.J. Tucker contract will be a bad contract by the end, I think. Although, I said that about his last contract, and it's with the cap going up and him continuing to play well, I, I was wrong. Uh, but Tucker is on a four-year deal, about $32 million, but the last year is, I think, almost totally non-guaranteed, if not wholly non-guaranteed. And even so, but I think for this year, getting guys who can at least plausibly defend the Warriors, at least now, they're not as good as the Warriors still, but at least there's theoretically a path. And if one of Curry or Durant goes down or maybe even Clay Thompson now like you you're, you could talk about maybe them being in the neighborhood where are you going to put Tucker out there you've got Paul a great defensive player Clint Capella has excellent mobility if you want to put him Bamuti out there yeah you might be hurting for shooting but you've got great individual players in Paul and Harden who can still create enough offense for you in theory and then you've got these defensive players so yeah nobody's going to have as many awesome two-way players on the wing as the Warriors do but at least they've got 
got guys who can be one-way players on either side and be really good at it. Ready to move on to the Clippers? Uh, no, I'm ready to move on to this from MeUndies. My girlfriend actually was just telling me the other day that MeUndies are far better fitting on me than any other underwear that I own. And they've been kind enough to send me some. I've purchased some more on my own dime. And basically the way it works now is I've got like 10 pairs of them and I wear those 10 before I get into any other of my underwear when it comes out of the laundry. They are the softest, most comfortable underwear that I have ever owned. This month's patterns were designed by the legendary 80s clothing brand Cross Colors with names that live up to their bold design and bright colors. You've got to see them for yourself. And the way to do that is to go to meundies.com slash capspace. That'll get you 20% off your first pair plus free shipping at meundies.com slash capspace. There's a reason they've sold over 5 million pairs to date. They're based in L.A., they're sustainably sourced, and they're made from micromodality fabric three times softer than cotton. And if you don't love your first pair of MeUndies, if you and I somehow crazily don't have the same taste in underwear, they are free. So once again, get 20% off your first pair plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash Capspace right now. So these teams that have lost a big free agent will deal with this with Utah as well. It's always difficult to grade them because you can look at it as like, all right, they lost this franchise player. They're going to be a lot worse this year. How can you give them a positive grade? But then you can also say, hey, look, like this guy wanted to leave. The decisions that led to him wanting to leave happened a long time ago. That's outside the scope of this. So given that reality, how did they recover and what is your answer to that Danny my answer to that is I completely agree with it and I have different responses to that with both these teams and the reason why it's different is because with the Clippers they made big moves outside of that that I disagreed with so their haul in the Chris Paul trade is phenomenal like that that is a a wonderful move for them and that alone like I, I would have given I didn't do a grade for that trade but I would have given it naves in some form however the Blake Griffin contract is going to be bad for them long term. I don't think he's going to age particularly well. It commits them to a path that I don't think in a, a major market was was the best one for them, especially looking at what's coming in free agency next year. I also don't like the Gallinari contract for them along the same lines. Three years at over $20 million for him. Guy with major injury risk. A player who I like when he's healthy, but he's just not healthy. I mean, pencil him in for 60 to 65 games and that might even be optimistic. So you have a lot of that. And then also they lost more because not only did they just lose Chris Paul, they lost JJ Redick without compensation. They had to dump Jamal Crawford with assets. And then a lot of the depth pieces that Doc had done a nice job acquiring in recent years, Felton, Bamute, Mo Spates, those kind of things, those guys are all gone. Now he has Doc Rock, sorry, this is Rock Divers, did a wonderful job also with how they kind of reacted to that part of the Chris Paul trade. Tay Dosich is a nice contract. Willie Reed was a great signing at his price and buying draft picks that became Jawan Evans and Sundarius Thornwell I thought all that worked out well yeah that was solid Evans I think it could grow into a backup point guard in time Thornwell has some size on the wing we of course talked about them on our podcast about the summer league my plan once Paul left and even more so because they were able to get some other guys who can play I think to some extent they were tempted because they got those guys and be like oh we still have some good players we could try and compete and also who knows how much their attempt to get a new arena in Englewood is influenced by all this there's this idea that Blake Griffin is Clipper royalty he's really the first true Clipper star that they've ever had they're trying to build some sort of a culture they probably want to retire his jersey have one some player like that who's been around for long enough 
they did at least avoid giving him a no trade but uh, that is going to be a pretty rough contract i think there's a chance it could all work out but i think it's more likely than not that it looks pretty ugly even in the beginning due to his health concerns it's still unclear whether he'll even be ready to start the season or not and then gallo yeah he was probably the best three on the market they certainly paid him like the best three on the market but you have to remember that they had to give up a first round pick to move crawford to get him to send out enough salary to get him and also because they would have been hard capped and there's no way they could have fit crawford in that way so they had to give up diamond stone who you know i'm not sure he's ever going to become something but someone who they at least invested some resources in last year has some scoring potential that first round pick that they got from houston went right out the door to atlanta and this team is definitely going to be an interesting one, shall we say. Taya Dosich, of course, was a great contract. I think $6 million a year, only $2 million guaranteed for next year, though he also does have that player option. They did the J.R. Smith contract with him. That was creative. Good job there. I'm just, I mean, this team is a seven seed, an eight seed maybe, if everything breaks right. And that's this year. And I think it's only going to continue to go downhill from there with DeAndre Jordan. He also can be a free agent. And I think the path not travel which to me would have been negotiate a little harder with Blake you know maybe maybe like they made him the full max offer and he signed it and he didn't take any of his other meetings all right fine maybe he takes those meetings maybe he gets the full max offer from Miami or maybe he gets it from Phoenix and he leaves or maybe you get him on a price that's a little makes him a little bit more of an asset and is not going to kill you or you let him go and that's not the end of the world and they had trade assets they could have moved Beverly they could have moved Lou Williams they could have not signed Gallo they could have moved DeAndre Jordan although potentially that market may have been a little bit more tepid but to me this was a year where they could you're not winning the West you're not coming anywhere close this season so just get a bunch of assets try to rebuild be bad this year get a top pick in the next draft and then you just have a ton of space in 2018 2019 you're in la granted that hasn't been fantastic for the lakers but just chill but i think you know with doc rivers his mentality steve Ballmer's mentality where they are they just couldn't do that but that would have been what i would have done so uh, i think as i didn't like that aspect of it but i loved what they got for paul i think that if they were trying to be good this year if you just say hey we have to retain blake that they did an okay job of that and they'll at least be interesting this year so i just went for a straight c with the clippers after all that they were the hardest team to grade for me because it was a lot of big things that matter that that it considered in it i originally gave it a a c minus but then i i started thinking about elements of this that are a little bit smaller like sam decker who on a rookie scale deal is a very nice piece i didn't even mention him he's that he actually is a guy who could be like a real three man absolutely montrez harrell could be a part of the rotation they got willie reed for a song at the at the minimum which i think is a, a really nice contract so i ended up going with a straight c as well and really anything in the range from c minus to c plus i have i i, I think all of those have cogent arguments and then i'm sure some will go higher because they got guys with name value but i think they could you know if they had gone as you said as you clarified it the road less traveled like that would have been better for them but yeah i i, I at the same point like we kind of knew they were never going to actually do that especially considering the the, con- the unusual constraints that are on them but I think that gives me a greater appreciation for what the team that shares their building did. 
Yeah, we sure didn't think that we would ever be giving the LA Lakers a really good grade. I gave them an A minus. I loved everything that they did. Lonzo Ball, after a rough debut, looked like exactly what he was supposed to be in summer league. Getting KCP on a one-year deal, which I think certainly if the Lakers don't get exactly who they want next summer, that could turn into a longer-term relationship. His fit next to Ball is outstanding. They sensing that the market would grow tighter for these sorts of things. I think they did well to move on from Mozgov three years. 48 million remaining on his contract and dead salary. They also perhaps sense that D'Angelo Russell, maybe he was going to get better. Maybe he was going to get worse, but who knows whether that deal to trade him away and use him as the sweetener to get off of Mozgov would have been available. They certainly seem to have some intelligence. I mean, it's in the public domain for that matter that LeBron James, Paul George could be interested in them. There are other stars who will be available next summer as well. They are looking like, I think the only team that could in theory get to double max space. And I think if they, they now have it within their ability, if they don't bring Randall back and they stretch dang, they're pretty darn close to that. Uh, or they could invest a pick to move Dane. The fact that they didn't have to give up any future first rounders to get off of Moskov now. Now we thought that maybe, all right, this is too early to move Moskov. If you just chill out for this year, then he becomes easier to move with two years left. Maybe that wasn't the case. Maybe that room goes away, right? We've been talking about that. The Nets, maybe they take on some other salary dump then they actually maybe think that he's can play maybe Russell isn't worth it right like his value could have gone down the fit of Russell and Ball together defensively in the backcourt is pretty ugly uh they wanted to just put the ball in Lonzo's hands right away and then also in that trade to get Brooke Lopez back a guy who actually another guy you know they could potentially re-sign him as well if it doesn't work out for their big aspirations next year and then they got the pick that became Kyle Kuzma and Kuzma looked excellent in summer league also that trade with the Nets is still kind of hard for me to process just because there were the ancillary pieces going back and forth were kind of strange. Like Brooke Lopez, wonderful player, provides a fair amount of present value. Just I didn't think the Lakers really needed that present value because they're not focusing on this year. But then when they got KCP, you start to see this come into a little clearer focus. I mean, they didn't do the Brooke Lopez trade anticipating that Kentavious Caldwell Pope was going to get renounced, but that ended up happening. And so they are going to be competitive this this year more so than they than they would have been otherwise i still don't think they're going to make the playoffs but they will they'll be worth watching they'll be engaging it'll also be a better surrounding set of talent to evaluate their young guys you know you're not going to have them and then just like a bunch of players who aren't going to be on your team long term it's like okay we'll get a better sense of what lonzo is with improved teammates we'll get a better sense of what brandon ingram is with improved teammates and so i think that is important because they're going to have to make still some tough decisions in order to get to the place they want to be with two max slots and so who among their core is actually good enough to do that. Julius Randle is another piece they're going to have to figure out. So I ended up with an A minus two, despite not liking the Nets trade from their perspective as much. But another point that we should talk about here is that while he's not the biggest signing or the biggest thing they did, Tyler Ennis on a super team friendly contract really does help them too. Another guy, point guard, maintains the flexibility with their space because they can. He has a, a team option for next year. So if they want right. to, that keep actually him around, is non guaranteed. Oh, it's non guaranteed, not a team yeah. option. You're right. Good call. Yeah. 
Uh, but but so that they can use that well, I think that's useful for them. And they did something similar to that with Thomas Bryant, who was one of their other second round picks. And jo- Josh Hart, I liked at Villanova. I watched him a little bit. I liked him then as kind of a support player. And that makes more sense for where they think they want to go, that they, you need those guys that aren't going to be superstars, but can fit in with other players as low usage, try hard type players. And they lost D'Angelo Russell and they lost Nick Young. But other than that, you know, I mean, Tarek Black was was a worthwhile rotation player, but but it's not like that he really affected their future. And so to to brighten this the way that they did without really sacrificing that much other than Russell is impressive. And the, the physical discipline makes them stand out. I also like the deal that they made. They had 27 and 28 going into the draft. They had 28 uh, from the Lou Williams trade from the Rockets. And then they moved back to 30, picking up Josh Hart, a player I like better than the player the Jazz selected there at 28, Tony Bradley. And then they also picked up the 42nd pick, which became Bryant, who I don't like a ton, but he's a seven footer with some mobility and shooting ability, plays hard. So uh, just getting that basically for free and and still getting the guy that they wanted, I think, at 30 was good. And maybe the room exception, they haven't used it all yet, but they've got plenty now at backup point guard with Ennis coming back. And I'm just excited to see how all these young guys turn out. They've got uh, some options now in the backcourt at the four with a, a stretch option guys who can turn into something and i think brooke lopez is really going to help their offense a lot kcp is really going to help their defense a lot to have a big who can shoot and then someone who can actually defend someone in the backcourt which they have been utterly lacking of late so yeah a minus for me what did you have i also had an a minus all right Memphis. Another, this was my second hardest team to grade because it's also hard to figure out. Like, I think, like, you can say my, my grade is incomplete slash because they still, have, yeah, we still don't have a I resolution on, on Jermichael Green and Tony Allen. Like, that really will swing it a lot. But then their other moves, Tyreek Evans on a, a really nice one year contract, Ben McElmore on a less nice two year mid, by, uh, it was about at the taxpayer mid level, but then it ended up being more complicated because they ended up using the full mid level. Then they drafted Ivan Rabb. And Dylan Brooks brought over Rade Zagorich, who they drafted last year, signed Mario Chalmers to a partially guaranteed deal, and then they lost Zach Randolph and Vince Carter. And then the other signing was that they retained Wayne Selden. They technically declined his team option and then re-signed him for a two-year deal. I would not have wanted to pay Carter or Randolph the amount that they received in Sacramento. Losing Randolph will hurt them a little bit, although I thought his season last year was overrated. It was pretty inefficient, although he was the only guy who could do anything a lot of the time when he was in there playing with the second unit so that's forgivable but as a 35 year old guy paying him 12 million a year wasn't feasible for them they need to avoid the tax and they have basically about 13 million below the tax right now with green still out there and tony allen this is just a guess but i would imagine that allen will probably return there and it's just they can't decide what his contract's gonna be yet because they need to see what green is going to sign for and then they'll give allen whatever remains below the tax after green signs like that or maybe they'll try and move someone as well like that i think but until they know what green is at they can't really give allen their offer and it seems the fact that we haven't even heard allen discussed in a lot of other areas i think that's just my guess of what's going to end up happening and 
for green we don't know where he's going to end up how many he really doesn't want to take the qualifying offer he's 27 hopefully they can come to some kind of an arrangement that'll be fair i mean i'm going to assume that they'll get him for something about 10 million a year you know maybe three years something like that and and that would be just fine for what he is selden you mentioned him he looks like he can play based on summer league he started in the playoffs last year i I don't know if he's going to be solid rotation guy or not but he has some promise and macklemore I think I liked more than you. This is actually something that Grizzlies executive John Hollinger wrote about back when he was in the public sphere, the idea of a second draft where guys are drafted so young, they flame out in, in their first location as McLemore did in Sacramento, and you sign him on the cheap and see whether you can rehabilitate him a little bit. And McLemore has some talent. He's made some strides, uh, not the most cerebral player by reputation, but some of that I think could help Memphis in spots. He does have some physical talent. He does have some shooting ability. And in theory if they have Conley and they have Chandler Parsons playing well they don't really need someone who can do something off the dribble which is uh, Macklemore's big weakness uh, right now the Rab pick I didn't care for I'm no, I don't really know what he is uh Zagorich they got him on kind of the three-year close to the minimum he's making like 850k this year uh Chalmers you know 25,000 guaranteed bring him back in see if he looks a little bit better this year Dylan Brooks had some flashes in summer league I think Evans is a low-cost flyer is someone who should have gotten more some other places he's another guy who can provide some creation you hope that i mean he and parsons both have these bad knees but that maybe one of them could be healthy at a time to just give you some sort of oomph off the dribble off the second unit i gave them a c minus for now and evans is a big part of the reason why it's not lower just because i don't think i ben taking a gamble on ben macklemore you can do but what they sacrifice in terms of multi-year commitment at over five million dollars like I just don't think he's shown that yet. If they given him something more in the James Ennis, Troy Daniels range, and then had more flexibility for somebody else, I would have liked it. But giving them a C minus for now, you know, if they get Jermichael Green on a good deal, then this shoots up a lot because they haven't done as much. So that means that each remaining move matters more. You know, it's not like the Clippers who just had an army of things that you're evaluating, and so each piece, you know, each less significant piece matters a little bit less. There is a lot of vacillation in this. If they lose Tony Allen, then it's going to drop. That sort of of a thing so i'm at a c minus for now i went with a b minus but i noting that it's incomplete and i'm just go- doing that with the assumption that they'll get green in the fold at something around 10 million per season minnesota was a team that again got the big things right not so much with the small things i mean that butler trade was such an absolute heist it's hard to downgrade them too much for those who don't remember they traded zach levine the number seven pick which became laurie markinen chris dunn for the number 16 pick getting that 16 pick was absolutely a fleecing and jimmy butler so i loved that aspect of it that's just so good they're going to be a playoff team this year almost certainly they weren't last year they're going to be much better this year you, you have to give them the credit i also thought that the jeff teague signing was if not an amazing contract still getting him on a two plus one not breaking the bank they didn't really have any other options available at point guard once they made the butler deal holiday was staying home in new orleans george hill got pretty similar money in sacramento although he didn't get the player option but teague is younger than hill now uh and sh- shot it okay on spot ups the last couple of years i thought that that was a fine move i think i liked that one more than you is that right danny 
Yes, that is absolutely true. I, and Teague is not a bad shooter, but he is a semi-reluctant one. And so that part of it bothers me a little bit. And the other, just the, just the overwhelming part of Minnesota's offseason was that outside of the Jimmy Butler trade, Tom Thibodeau built a team for a league that doesn't exist. You know, yeah, spot, every spending. other move, I think, to me, other than the Jimmy Butler trade and Teague, I just hated. I agree with you on that. Taj Gibson, not a, a player we both really like, but just not a great fit for what yeah. they were doing he, he's a backup center now Taj Gibson is basically a backup center now and so is Gorgie Jang so they can they can hang out together and talk about that <laughs> and then they and then they also you know they had that pick they and they used it on Justin Patton Justin Patton another guy who is duplicated by all the other things they did and there were good players still on the board players that I, I'm not super familiar with Patton but they're guys that were a better fit for kind of where they were going they also traded Ricky Rubio to the that was Jazz. a good trade I yes I, I, agree I forgot with that about too. that I thought that was yeah. a good trade to get a pick for him uh and to get someone in Teague who at least fit a little bit better than Rubio though then they immediately abandoned all ideas of fit with every other move that they made and we the other one we didn't mention is Jamal Crawford Crawford at the room the room exception God, for two years is not great but the fit makes it so much worse because they just they didn't need another guy they didn't need a guy like him with I mean, you the, can't play him like they, they don't have anyone else on the wing so like are they gonna I guess he's not gonna close games but it's like you can't he's a bad fit with Wiggins Butler he's a little better fit with but he's just he's gonna take the ball out of the hands of more efficient options and just they don't have anybody else who uh, on the wing you know they have two th guys who can play the three on the roster and they're both gonna be in the starting lineup uh, Butler and Wiggins and those guys will play a lot so they have and they and they didn't really take any bites at the apple at less conventional things like getting a long-term stretch four who like even uh, they have Bielitsa but just somebody else as a shot at it to see yeah. if that works and now they're relying a lot on Tyus Jones as the backup one. I like Tyus Jones, but they're also something else that could change this for them is that Minnesota still has a bunch of unused roster spots. If they can get talented players for the minimum, I will be it'll help me a little bit. But I still gave them an A minus because the Jimmy Butler trade is such a special move. They got an, a bona fide all star, all NBA player under contract for two years at a team friendly value who they will use reasonably well, though the surrounding pieces don't fit for very, very little. So I think to me, I, I couldn't realistically give them anything less than an A minus, so I gave them an A minus. Yeah, I went B plus just because I think they're it's almost more disappointing. I, mean, I think this team could have been like a 55 win team if they had just filled in around those guys well enough. And I think they're just Tibbs is just freaked out by the fact that he thinks Carl Towns isn't a good enough defensive player and he needs another big with him and that that is really messing up a lot of this, whereas it's just, you know, Jang. They overpaid. I mean, I really, I think also I would have, because this is the last year they could possibly have cap space, I would have loved to have seen them get even more aggressive about dumping salary and try to get in on, you know, maybe a Paul Millsap as well. I think they, they could have even gotten maybe him and Teague. Now, part of the reason they can't do that is because they're worried about extensions for Wiggins and Towns and getting into the tax pretty deeply in a couple of years. So that's part of the issue here as well. They, I mean, also, probably, they also probably didn't expect Millsap to take 
take the structure he did. Like if they if they had known at the beginning of the offseason that he would take two years with a third year team option, then maybe they would have been able to pull that off because that's well, the timeline that gets yeah. concerning for them. Yeah, but I, I mean, I think it, and maybe Millsap would have preferred to go the early does of that connection to Denver. But yeah, I mean, signing Gibson, I mean, when you consider that Patrick Patterson, I mean, that was just a huge missed opportunity to me when you saw what Patrick Patterson got. He, Patrick Patterson signed a three year deal for basically what Taj Gibson is going to get for one of the two years. You know, I mean, if they had offered anywhere close to that to Patrick Patterson, I think he probably would have gone there and Patterson a much, much better fit for what I sh- I think they should be trying to do. And it's just, I mean, the, this t- team is going to have a ton of guys that I think are good players and every offensive possession is going to be an ISO, just complete eyesore for them. And they might still score a day because just Butler, Towns, lesser extent, Teague and Wiggins are just that good. But if they could have just gotten a stretch guy who could switch a little bit, defend more on the perimeter, I think they really would have been ready to go with that core four. And instead, just everyone around that that core four is just not good to me at least in terms of fit so I, I mean it's amazing that i'm spending all i mean we're spending so much more time criticizing them just because you know that butler move is so obvious but i really want to explain how it is that like you're not getting an a for me even when you pull off close to the best trade of the summer uh, i think the absolute best trade is coming up still yeah it's i mean and, th- and it's also the nature that we also have talked a lot about the jimmy butler trade i mean it was the focus of of an entire podcast at one point and and it'll be also a, a subject throughout the year and i one of the things i like doing in these offseason grades is getting into some of the other stuff that we didn't pay as much attention to and that's basically the entire new orleans pelicans offseason because the pelicans are they've made so few moves partially because they're constrained by the potential of the luxury tax or maybe even the hard cap depending on how this shakes out that the biggest thing they did was they retained drew holiday five years 126 million we still don't have the exact i haven't still haven't seen the exact contract structure for that and then they uh added rajon rondo frank jackson who they picked up in the early second round and then they brought back darius miller and then they lost tim frazier who they traded to the wizards then they cut loose quinn cook and axel Tupon who finished the season with them. I gave them a D, and the only reason it was that high was because they managed to keep Holiday and not just get completely destroyed on, on his contract. Five years, $25 million a year. I mean, that is clearly an overpay for him. At least he's relatively young for a free agent, though, only 27. But And he appeared to finally be over some of those injury concerns last year, but those always have loomed in the rearview mirror, as they do for any player who tra- plays for the Pelicans. Holiday, AD, Cousins, those are three pretty good players uh they don't have anyone else though and they in particular they don't have they tried to get in on nick young but they don't have anybody right now who is an nba3 on the roster quincy pondexter might come back and play he hasn't played in two years i'm not counting on him solomon hill is probably going to start at the three he's a four uh dante cunningham who opted out maybe they'll end up bringing him back they've been able to maintain his bird rights although they do have issues with staying below the tax maybe but he's also a four as well I mean, it really seems like they lucked into this good trade with Cousins. And then again, you know, they let Omri Caspi go. He he would easily, to me, be their starting three right now if they just kept his bird rights. I mean, he signed for the minimum in Golden State. They could have probably got him for like $4 million a year, no problem 
Uh, and then this Rondo signing, then they're going to start Rondo and Holiday together. I mean, now you're basically the fit issues get even worse. They don't have anyone who can shoot at the three. They got two bigs. Holiday is like an okay spot up shooter, but he's more comfortable shooting off the dribble. And Rondo can't shoot at all. So now you've completely eliminated the $25 million a year point guard that you got. He's going to be wasted because either he's got the ball in his hands and they're not going to guard Rondo, so he can't do anything, or he's not going to have the ball in his hands. To me, they had two big needs coming into the offseason. One was shooting, particularly perimeter shooting, and then the other one was ball handlers beyond Drew Holiday. They just needed Jordan Crawford can be a part of the solution, but he isn't the solution. And they, by and large, accomplished the second because Rajon Rondo, you know, he can do that as a backup point guard, certainly a capable steward when he's motivated and playing well. And, you know, Frank Jackson, long term, maybe he's the guy who can replace Rondo after a year or two. That could certainly be possible. They not only didn't really solve the first issue of shooting, they actively made it worse with bringing in Rondo and potentially playing those guys together. And that was really the way to make an AD DeMarcus Cousins front court work is you have low usage guys that provide gravity just because the guys can't help. And so you could do it that way. And then you let AD and Boogie go to work and Drew Holiday can facilitate a lot of that through pick and rolls through, you know, he can come off screens at least a little bit. So you work in that way. And when you missed on one of those two, it just makes their team not work. They did sign Darius Miller, who Aaron Jackson on the pod last week was very complimentary of playing in Germany last year. He played for the Pels a couple of years ago. I'm not going to say this guy is ready to step in and start as an NBA small forward, which they still need, but maybe that could be a nice setting. I like the concept of maybe trying to find undervalued guys in Europe. The move for Frank Jackson, I like that one. They moved up from 41 to 31 and used cash to do so getting jackson the tim frazier trade made no sense to me whatsoever he was making two million a year was a totally fine option to me at backup point guard i don't know that rondo is even necessarily better than him frankly and instead they decided to trade him for the 52nd pick which they eventually sold for cash presumably in part to pay for moving up from 41 to 31 but i i mean when you have a two million dollar a year backup point guard just roll with him he's adequate there and puts your resources into the wing they did try to go after nick young they didn't get him but they weren't really even reported suitors for any of the threes on the market I mean, they could, could have just even tried to get any number of guys who didn't sign for much i mean and even if it's like because the, their other problem is that like, i don't even think their defense on the wing is that good like solomon hill is like an okay defensive player but again he's more of a combo forward defender so even if they got like a cephalosha type of guy they could have offered him a bigger role and maybe a little more money than he got in utah even though he's not a good shooter at least he can do one part of the things you need to do the three they don't have anybody who's can do either of the things you need to do on either end of the court at the three right now and i just it's really i'm gonna have to think about that more i'm not going to predict their record yet but when so many others in the west move forward this is a critical critical year for the franchise to just blow it this badly during the offseason is very disappointing to me. And of course, you know, it's not like the, the fact that ownership will not be paying the luxury tax under any circumstances, apparently. Uh, hey, maybe this team should be in a market that could actually afford to pay the luxury tax. But this is like the most critical season. You got to convince Cousins to stay and you're still not going to pay it. It's like, you know, th- that's no good either. They, they maybe could have gotten somebody who would have helped them if they were willing to go a couple million in, into the tax or or maybe risk that and then make some tax avoiding moves later. 
Yeah, it's also when Rajon Rondo signed for, I think it was $100,000 more than the biannual. And so you're kind of sitting there going, huh, I wonder what that's about. And then, you know, the idea that, oh, well, that doesn't really matter if you're going to be, if you're not going to pay the luxury tax because those those constraints are, are less stringent than the one that appears that they put on themselves. And the, the three market wasn't deep, but there were guys that took very little. I mean, even, I'm, I've, I can't believe I'm even throwing his name out there, but like Jeff Green took the minimum. Like Jeff Green would be the, best healthy three on their roster if we're counting Solomon Hill as a four, which I largely do. And so those sorts of things, and there aren't really anybody available that, you know, there are guys that could be rotation players, maybe like Brandon Rush or Mike Dunleavy, but those guys aren't starters. And so it's going to be hard for them to fix this. And it's not like they're asset rich. And when you think about that, they might want to keep some of their other assets to try to unload some of the still remaining bad money on their books. Omar Ashik being the big one, maybe, maybe Alexei Ajit depending on how they worked this out. So I ended up, people are going to think that we did these grades in concert in some form, but we didn't. We did it separately. I gave them a D as well because they just didn't solve their problems. And while this might not be completely fair to throw at them, the rest of the West got so much better that I don't expect them to make the playoffs this year. And so then you start to say, well, even if some of the stuff that they did works out, if they lose cousins, then they still have a lot of the same financial commitments they have. And then they're even more screwed. Well, in contrast to them, OKC was amazing. I give them an A+. Plus. I don't give A+, pluses, but they had the best offseason in the entire league. Yeah, this is a team that, for all of Westbrook's heroics, was got lucky to go 47-35 and 35 last year. On the surface, had few, if any, ways to improve, and then they traded for Paul George, capitalizing on what I would say is uh, some misevaluations by... Kevin Pritchard, Indiana's GM, but they did it. They got Paul George for DeMontis Sabonis and an extended Victor Oladipo, who is actually making more money than Paul George. They saved money in that Paul George trade. Just an unbelievable transaction. Yeah, I know he's only under contract for one year, but I mean, even just to get him for one year, that price is well worth it. And, you know, maybe you have a 30% chance of re-signing him or 50%. And and I think this team is going to be a defensive monster. I think they now match up pretty well with Golden State, other than the fact that Russell Westbrook rarely plays wall against them but getting Patrick Patterson we talked about that contract already in the Minnesota section how they should have gone after him and and failed it they really did a great job of capitalizing on mistakes around the league not paying Patterson more I think is another one of those uh, just by the league in general there's a second underrated part of that was of this that was brilliant by Sam Presti which is the the fallback in case this goes badly it got a lot better with the way that they did this so yes Paul George could leave after this year I I would probably rather have empty cap space than Victor Oladipo on his current contract. I'm not like he could prove me wrong. He could have a wonderful year with the Pacers, but that's where I'm leaning right now. And so what Oklahoma City can do is, yeah, maybe like as Russell Westbrook, as of this moment, has still not signed his extension yet, the designated veteran. So if he, you know, yeah, maybe those guys leave. But if, if those guys leave, you basically want to clear the decks. And if they had had Steven Adams and Victor Oladipo and presumably they were still have retained Andre Robertson, depending on how that would have worked out. They wouldn't have been able to do that. They just would have kind of been trapped in this sub-playoff pit, and they would have had a lot of money committed. They wouldn't have really been able to get out you of it. You mean the exact pit that Indiana is now in? Correct. And so <laughs> and so now, if, if George leaves, if George and Westbrook leave, they have a pretty cogent situation. You know, they have Patterson on a reasonable contract. Robertson's on a fine contract. It's not my, you know, $10 million a year for him. And they only gave him three years, which I think was nice. They didn't have to go long term in case it doesn't work out. And then they also, on 
the margins did a really nice move with Raymond Felton. Felton shores up what was their biggest weakness last year at backup point guard. I mean, they had the worst backup point guards I think I can remember on any team. And they were able to add him, steady veteran, you know, not the greatest backup point guard in the world, but the one of the best guys they could get for the minimum. Yeah, all Yeah, all they had was the minimum because they used the, the full taxpayer bid level on Patterson. Correct. And so wonderful contract at that, at that. And again, the price, because part of that is subsidized by the league, that doesn't look as bad. I'm also impressed that it looks like they're at least going to start the season over the tax. They might even stay into it, which when you have Russell Westbrook and possibly Paul George hitting free agent, like potentially hitting free agency, you want to show them that you're committed to, to doing that. And and it is really at this point a one-year commitment because if Paul George opts out and leaves, then it's it's more of an abstraction. But so I'm, I was really, really impressed with what Presti did. And one of my biggest focuses in this is a team that does a lot with a little. And that's what Oklahoma City did this year. And I also like Terrence Ferguson, who now in fact has signed. He did. He got his FIBA letter of clearance. Uh, Fred Katz reported that happened earlier in the month. And so he's on board now. He was unable to play in summer league. Still don't know what the delay was there initially, why he couldn't play in summer league. But nonetheless, I like him. Obviously, Rod didn't have an amazing year in Australia, but he has a potential on both ends of the floor. And I think that that is just that player type fits into what the modern league is and that he has more potential than a lot of guys drafted in that range but obviously i mean the big things are george patterson retaining robertson at less than like big time starter money all that is fantastic and i think this team you know could uh, think about it a little bit harder but i think this team could be you know a mid-50s win team next year if their defense uh lives up to its potential i don't think the suns have won 50 games in the last two or two years combined i think they have in the last three combined and they just didn't do much i think that was when i when i'm going through and compiling the added retained and lost for all of these teams and so you're looking at it and you know some teams it's this huge turnover and all this kind of stuff and you look at the suns you're like oh they use their draft picks and then they've so far re-signed one of their two prominent free agents they use the fourth pick in the draft to get josh jackson then they signed or drafted Devon Reed in the second round, signed Mike James for back back to the U.S. from Europe, and then they retained Alan Williams. I love that contract, non guaranteed for the last two years, three years, fifteen million dollars. They cut Leandro Barbosa, and then they haven't signed Alex Len. So I gave them a C minus, but I feel like that might have been too generous. Why are they getting a C minus? I gave them a B minus. Like, how is this a bad off season? I think they're better. Like they're better off than they were they avoided giving out any bad contracts that i love the way that they have treated len so far you know if he takes the qualifying offer fine so be it but they're not paying him as a sunk cost just because he was the number five pick he hasn't been that good so they're not the market is not there for him so they're playing hardball with him hopefully they won't acquiesce too much but they're either going to get him on a team-friendly contract or make him take the qualifying offer they're keeping their their powder dry uh and i think that they you know that williams contract as you mentioned is a good one so what's the problem why why is this below average to you i didn't think they made the best pick at their draft after the slot and that's very important yeah. i mean then i i thought dennis smith was who better would you have I, gone with there dennis you, you would have gone smith yeah yeah i mean he's the, he's the best player and it's not like they have a long-term answer at that position assuming eric bledsoe you know is eventually somewhere else whether that is soon or later and that's the other thing i didn't like about their offseason like yeah I'm, I'm okay with them not spending all their money i'm totally cool with that and i like the way that the alan williams contract fits in with that but they just retained a lot of these other pieces 
is. So they have this incongruous team for the time being. Now, if they resolve that by moving Eric Bledsoe at some other point, so be it. But if they're just kind of be going to be a little bit better than bad, that worsens their draft pick. They're not going to be good. So you have those things running together. And they also have an underrated amount of money just on their books long term. I mean, this it's not like, yeah. oh, this is you're waiting for this all to wash away. I like Jared Dudley. Jared Dudley's making nine and a half million next year. Uh, Tyson Chandler, I don't I don't know how much he has left in the tank. He's making more than 13 and a half million next year. This isn't even the coming season. So they're keeping some powder dry, but the powder is, is complicated. And then, I mean, depending on what happens with TJ Warren, like I, I don't I'm not I didn't include that in my grade at all because he's extension eligible and he didn't sign an extension. But, you know, we'll see what happens there. But I, I just don't think they have that much flexibility and Bledsoe, his value could go up depending on what happens in circumstances. And obviously, if they play a part in a Kyrie well, well, let me ask trade. you this, though. Uh, other than drafting, and I think Jackson still has potential. He could be a quality sure. player. I agree with you. Yeah, he I wasn't my favorite player, Smith. but he's not bad. Yeah, I, I probably would have gotten Smith, Isaac, or even Fox uh, there. I agree. But I think, you know, I think he's he's going to help them. So that that's why that's why I didn't have it as higher. But other than drafting someone else with that pick, what else would you have done differently if you were them? I think they, it's, it's hard. Well, so I would have probably moved Bledsoe because at this point, what, what is he, what benefit is he providing to them if the, you know, he's a good player, obviously. And a lot of that depends on the, the prices that are out there. You know, like maybe it's just that nobody wants to give up first round picks for him. That's entirely possible. If that's true, then do that. But I just, I just don't think they were they were proactive. I mean, some teams were able to extract resources from like, look at, you know, Brooklyn got well, the I mean, I still am getting a handle on how I feel about the Moscow, the Angela Russell trade. At least they got a high ceiling guy for some bad money on the books. And well, but but here's the thing, though, we've been saying for a while, oh, the market's only going to get tighter. Teams are only going to be able to extract more with their unused cap space as time goes on. And so if they were going to do that now, anyone that they took on was going to be a bad contract for beyond this year, most likely. I mean, I don't, you know, if they'd done the McRoberts trade or something, they could have gotten like a second rounder. I don't think that's the sort of move you're talking about. So, I mean, I think to me, I thought they played it exactly right other than just, you know, the fact that they drafted the guy that I didn't want. But I think to downgrade but, but, them But are they going to have money next year? Like there, there seems to be this, oh, they're keeping the powder dry so they uh, uh, like you know right now i have it that i uh, kind of assuming cap holds for for guys like tj warren and those sorts of things they are they're at about 10 they're at about 10 million maybe a little bit more maybe like 11 12 but remember they're gonna have a high what draft 10, 10 are, are you including that like they're bringing back len no that's that's no money at all for alex len Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, so if you have Josh Jackson on the books and they have another high draft pick, yeah, they're yeah. probably at like eleven million. Yeah. So I mean, they're, if they're at that point, and most of their money, not all of it, but most of their of their money is in bad contracts. So Bledsoe's a yeah. good one, obviously. But Knight but, is but basically all, all dead these money. bad contracts. Like, here's the thing: all these bad contracts are uh, those were signed before. I mean, you can't penalize them. No, for no. This but what I'm saying that. is, if I don't think the I, I don't think they deserve as much credit for keeping the powder dry because there's just not that much powder. This isn't a circumstance where like some of these other yeah. teams like Sacramento, like what they sacrificed, we'll talk about them later, where they were going to have like 40, 45, 50 million in space. Like that's something very different. Like if it, I'm fully on board, like what, what the Lakers did, like if you're going to have that much money all on board, keep it dry. But if it's like $14 million, like that's not you're not going to get a king's ransom for that. 
No, you're probably right there, but I still don't see you still haven't articulated like what they should have done otherwise. I mean, other than but that's just, so you're if, saying if, just if take they do, on the bad if they money do now. nothing, if the biggest move they did was taking a guy that I didn't think was the best pick available and the rest of what they did was nothing, then I don't see how that's like above average. Like basically then you're like, especially when you consider look at how many teams have high grades. I mean, granted, a lot of teams in the East are going to have low grades, but if you were doing a bell curve and the biggest move a team made was a slight negative, then that's not an above average offseason yeah i i think I, I totally understand that idea and i think if you want to downgrade them more for jackson i'm totally on board there i have tried to trend a little bit more towards just after summer league not giving a team a bad grade for drafting someone that i don't like at least when that person has the potential to be pretty good and i think he's going to be a good player uh but also i think you're underestimating how hard it is to actually just not do anything and not fuck things up when you're in the position well, that the suns are I in mean, when they've missed the playoffs for seven it, years it can be row. hard but that doesn't mean like oh look you did a great job doing nothing like i i, I especially in in their circumstance now but the funny thing is like the suns because they did so little where they go from here with the remaining stuff matters a lot you know if they can get alex len on the, a super team friendly deal then that my see my my grade is going to move more quickly of course if they do something in the Kyrie everything it's going to move because those teams that do less the remaining stuff matters more all right well if you want to see these phoenix suns and get irrefutable proof of whether my b minus or danny c minus is the correct grade for their off season the best way to do that is with SeatGeek. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find you amazing deals it's all about saving time really right if you had to go to a bunch of different sites and check them all maybe you spent 10 minutes 15 minutes doing that right now you can just look all in one app find the relevant tickets and then they rank every ticket based on value so you can click the best value in the section you want to sit in you now you spent two minutes instead of spending 15 minutes 20 minutes trying to get your tickets and you'll save money as well every purchase is fully guaranteed you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence and not only sports but also concerts, comedy, theater, basically anything that has a ticket. Look for it on SeatGeek. So just download the free SeatGeek app, enter promo code CAPSPACE today, that CAPSPACE code, very easy to remember, of course, it's even on the back of our t-shirts now. That's promo code CAPSPACE for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Oh, and also before we get to Portland, I should remind you that Dunked On Hats are available as well at nateduncannba.com click on the merchandise tab in the upper right and uh they're 30 dollars. they actually wanted to sell them for 35 and i said no way that's too expensive we need to do better by our listeners and sell them for a more reasonable price so 30 dollars it is hopefully you'll find that reasonable we also of course have the t-shirts and mugs available as well those 16 ounce coffee mugs get you through an entire mock off season episode all right uh where are we at with the portland trailblazers they i, I was trying to imagine what this would have been if they hadn't done the on crab trade would have been like uh yes. they picked guys and then they basically they let they let festus azili and Tim well, that, that's a go. good question what what would your grade have been well tell me what your grade is and tell me what it would have been without the crab trade it's a b plus now without the crab trade it would have probably been like a c interesting okay i was surprised i would have thought you would be harsher on them i had a c plus with the crab trade and i probably would have been like a d without it well so i i get i it, 
it's funny you talked about the idea of, of with, with the Suns, we argued about the merits of doing nothing. And I felt like Paul Allen, largely in the early part of the offseason, taking his medicine and just kind of not giving up resources to keep the team together that they had foolheartedly spent too much money on. I, I kind of admired that in a weird degree. They ended up burning some of that by virtue of the Allen Crabtree, but I thought the Allen Crabtree was a really good one because they unloaded a lot of money that wasn't providing much value for them and the ability to stretch Andrew Nicholson, you know, made it an even larger savings. And my biggest criticism with what they did is not that they drafted bad players. I'm not, I don't, I'm not as familiar with Zach Collins, so I can't say he's great or he's bad or anything like that. I, I wasn't super impressed with him in summer league. I was more yeah, impressed they with drafted, They drafted like bad players in theory though, like that. Yeah. And that, that, that's where I was getting, that was where I was getting into with. is that they didn't. Yeah. So I, I ripped on New Orleans for not doing a good job of fixing their greatest weakness and Portland did a worse job of that and actually exacerbated it because the forward spots are just this problem area for a team that has one of the best backcourts in the entire league and that Nurkic when he played was inspiring last year so you sit there and you go okay well if you were to tell me that they were going to keep that they weren't going to use any of their assets to dump guys be like oh okay so they drafted a few swingmen because they originally had three late first round picks nope they moved up two of them to get a guy who's probably more of a center than a power forward so then that doesn't really resolve the issue and then Caleb Swanigan is you know he's a big I don't really I I haven't figured out exactly what kind of big he is so they didn't throw anything at that problem and that is a that is not great but like if they if they basically if if the money part of it was a constraint they shed a lot of it in a very good trade and I don't think Collins is a bad player and it seems like the people who know him better think it's a reasonable value so I'm gonna knock that but not knock it too hard you're right I think the I mean the big problem still is getting better defensively for them and Zach Collins Caleb Swanigan getting someone even again this is similar to Denver I would have liked for them to have someone in the pipeline here even just I mean the other disappointment too is just the fact that they weren't able to even like make any kind of a minimum siding if they are going to move crab you would imagine I guess because Brooklyn was stuck with the Porter contract that that crab trade maybe wasn't in the pipeline uh, although they obviously consummated it after the year expiration date for when he had signed that offer sheet with the Nets because he can't be traded to the Nets uh, until a year has gone by. But it would have been nice for them to just get someone who could be some more experienced, even the return of someone like Gerald Henderson, I think it could have helped them. Someone like that who can be more of a defensive type stopper on the wing, give them an option for when Al Farouk Aminu and Mo Harkless just can't make a shot on the wing as well. I think that that, that would have helped a lot. Something else that I wanted to bring up, and I hadn't thought about this till I really went through their roster. After the crab trade, their guard depth is pretty scary. Like they, they you know, when you have Dame and CJ, if those guys are healthy and playing, yeah. it's not as much of a problem. But if either one of those guys misses time, they don't have anything. Like yeah, you maybe you slide Evan Turner, but you don't have forward depth anyway. So yeah, they don't have any other shooters really at all on this team outside of Dame and CJ. Like those are the only guys who can make a three now at an above average rate. I mean, between Turner, Aminu and Harkless I mean you've got a bunch of guys who are like 32% three-point shooters though Harkless no I'm sorry Harkless is a 35% three-point shooter because he didn't shoot at all and got that bonus last year but uh and that that I'm to gonna, me tells I'm you everything you need to, to know a B. I, I realize now I had it as a B moved it up to a B plus right before we started recording and then now I'm going to move it back to a B just because that's a pretty big flaw and they have other talented guys but there isn't a market for it you know like Noah Vonley I'd say that he's a, a, you'd rather have him than not on a lot of teams just 
just because yeah. one year they have she, so many bigs. It's Ed Davis, same type of thing. But who the hell is going to trade a perimeter player for those guys right now? No, of course not. And I mean, to draft two more bigs, neither of whom really, I mean, I guess they project to maybe have some stretchability, but you know, neither of them is really a center either. They already have Nurkic, who they're going to have to make a big investment in as well. And maybe you think, okay, you know, they still have Myers Leonard making 10 million a year to probably not do anything on the team this season so yeah it's i really would have liked for them to just get someone i mean that like who could be a two guard hit some threes alongside dame or cj off the bench i mean alan crab played 28 minutes a game last year you know and while he was inadequate defensively there's a reason that he played so much he even closed some games over the last couple of years because they just needed some more shooting on the floor and now it's just you know evan turner is going to play a ton he's going to be over stretched uh but you know i mean that crab trade was good don't get me wrong Uh, and maybe you know on the buyout market or by making some trades they can do better i mean i also might have liked to have seen them I mean, just in terms of like value, 15 and 20 for 10, those trades generally have not worked out as well. Uh, so it would have been nice to get some more bites at the apple instead maybe of going for Collins, who I just, again, like was considered to be the 10th best prospect in the draft by most people, but I just don't see the fit for him generally or specifically with this squad. Donovan Mitchell, who I was did not was not familiar with in the draft, but he would have been so awesome as like the third guard on that team yeah maybe that's the case uh so yeah i i went c plus just because that crab trade i thought was really good uh but the rest of it and colin swalgan maybe they'll be okay players and maybe you say hey you know what you're drafting at this range just get someone who you think you can play and don't worry about the fit don't worry about the fit in the modern nba so we could be wrong about those guys uh but yeah i don't know i mean so here's a question you think they're better or worse next year worse even well, though they have well, so for the I whole think, year i think they're better i think they're oh you mean like just overall record yeah oh i think they'll be better because nurkic was a was a meaningful upgrade for them and you assume he'll play more games next year than he did last year yeah although they did have Plumley for a large part of the as well he wasn't yeah. I, I didn't like him but he wasn't you know i don't know if Nurkic i mean the Nurkic, like Nurkic Plumley upgrade is not you know it's not a life-changing thing but it is an upgrade so the kings uh, i went with a straight c for them they actually recently became known just hired brandon williams from formerly with the league and then he was uh, working with the sixers they hired him to be an assistant gm they both hired and then immediately lost scott perry after and everyone was like oh this they had this great offseason i didn't agree obviously i gave them a c i think that from a value standpoint in the draft they did well I probably would have preferred Smith over Fox. I think they're going almost too far in the direction of this like culture and character stuff now. Whereas, I mean, they've got a lot of these guys already. I mean, and, and then they signed all these guys like George Hill and Vince Carter and Zach Randolph who are going to help like change the culture. And Dave Yeager, I'm sure, had a, a major part in that as well, having coached those guys in Memphis and they're going to buy into him. But, you know, De'Aaron Fox is already a great character guy. I know Buddy Heald is supposed to be this great character guy as well i mean they don't really garrett temple is supposed to be that as well they don't really have anyone on this team anymore who's like considered like a bad egg at all like scal isn't like some big leader but he's you know supposed to be a great kid also so this idea like we got to continue like changing the culture i think they did enough there i think 
Smith to me is better than Fox. They should have drafted him, but Fox, I think will, will be good. You know, I think, I think of that as just sort of like, you know, they got the guy who was there, who was, uh, they got kind of who they're supposed to get around that range. So even if there's better players behind them and, and we're, we can't be entirely prescient on that either. Maybe they could have gotten Jonathan Isaac there as well. Could have been in contention in addition to Smith. Um, but yeah, then the George Hill contract, I understood to some degree, although you supposedly are trying to give the keys to De'Aaron Fox, but it didn't make sense to me the timing on on making these moves. I mean, the Carter contract, that's just an insane amount for him. Zach Randolph, that's a lot of money for him. You've got these young centers, Scal in particular, who you're really trying to develop. Now Randolph's totally going to be blocking all of them. Big overpay for him, $12 million a year. But to me, it was just like, hey, how about you take your lumps this year? Let's see which of these young guys can develop. You know, you've added another couple of draft picks they got Bogdanovich now Bogdan Bogdanovich who I think they probably maybe gave a little too much money to as well but take your lumps this year and then when you don't have your draft pick next year then you make all these vet signings the opportunity cost of what they chose to do is immense because they have about 40 million committed for 2018-19 to Hill Randolph and Bogdanovich now two of those three guys can probably like play and be a part of what they're doing and and Zebo you know he can contribute in a different way but very few teams are going to have space and I don't think they were going to get a max guy out of that but they could have extracted some serious resources from other teams and they what they chose to do was they chose to spend a lot more money for veterans who could play when just getting veterans would have been fine like Mike Miller last year made like three three and a half million he was a good vet for the Nuggets to have they the Kings possess so many guys on contracts that they actually want to give playing time to Kali Stein, maybe Papianis, Scal, Dow De'Aaron Fox, and Frank Mason and Justin Jackson. Kufos like, is still on this Coast team. When's still the last team. time we even thought of him? Yeah, like so, so and Garrett Temple's a solid vet. Like they have all this stuff. And so you're sitting there going, Yeah, if you want to add vets, you can add vets. But don't add expensive vets because you being a little bit better actually is worse for them long term because it weakens their draft pick the year that they have it, and they're not going to make the playoffs. Like they're not going to be in that mix. And so the costs of this are, are are huge. And as you said, if they had done this a year later, they would have had a better draft pick. I think there's going to be less money out there next year. So they could use that to extract more resources. And you can get veteran leadership in case they really needed more of that. And there aren't the, like really that many bad apples on this team. It's not like you're trying to counteract anything. It's just like the toxicity of your overall team culture. Like that's really what you're trying to do. And yeah. I don't think they're going to be winning enough to do the part of that that winning cures. Like there is a part of it that you know that being being terrible for a while and then being better you know just it changes your rep around the league and i agree with that we're seeing it with the sixers but they're still going to be probably one of the three worst teams in the west so yes they will be better and that's nice but it's not like this is some great disinfectant that's coming on them yeah and they could have even just given darren collison a similar contract to what hill ended up getting and hill frankly didn't have any kind of a market elsewhere either like i don't even know why they needed to pay him this much and i'm downgrading them hurt, from a c to a c minus and remember yeah. that if he gets hurt then the the idea of surplus value or the idea of moving him next summer gets completely screwed because that was a, a part of it and i think that was a good case that you made in terms of the long-term thing of instead of trading into cap space trading for a guy who can actually contribute i think that's a, a very good way of thinking about where this might be going but 
his value could definitely start flatlining if you know if he misses another 20 to 25 games this year it, a team's just gonna be sitting there going well crap yeah he's a good player and when he's healthy he's on there but we're not going to consider him as big of an asset as maybe sacramento does what'd you think of justin jackson and harry giles with uh 15 and 20 uh i mean actually so justin jackson fits in with kind of my low ceiling criticism of this team that it's just he's just kind of there like a, a player who can contribute but i don't see you know like starter on a good team in him i see contributor which is fine and and at 15 you're not expecting a starter giles is a straight ceiling play and i don't feel comfortable talking too much about it because i don't know his medicals but if the stuff is in there that concerned a lot of teams to like maybe even take him off their board if that stuff is legitimate then taking him at 20 is a really big risk because there were other contributors on the board yeah and obviously he's another big man as well yeah. I, I mean i, I love still... giles if he's healthy like if he's healthy he's one of my favorite guys in this draft yeah and i think that's a, a reasonable i mean he didn't play summer league which is concerning uh you wouldn't think that there'd be I mean, he played last year at duke so why isn't he playing summer league like that's like is he like not ready or his knees still like that bad i mean he was theoretically working out for people so I, I didn't really ever hear a story did they give an explanation of why he didn't play i never heard one but i'm guessing they made some sort of thing like i i, I think I've, the word i've heard is that they have a plan for what they're going to do with him but they haven't made that public yeah they just said they're just being cautious with his knees is what divot said uh so okay uh so yeah i downgrade i'm going with a, a c minus and just because i think fox will be a quality player and trading 10 for 15 and 20 just in a vacuum i think is good value i don't know with the players are right but you know i don't think that zach collins was like some great guy for them either uh, and canard and mitchell they have a bunch of twos so they weren't going to take those guys although perhaps that shows the fallacy of that thinking and we'll see what happens with bidonovich i know aaron jackson liked him he said he would defend better than people thought he would so maybe he'll end up being worth it, that contract as well but yeah i really especially the randolph and carter signings i just completely didn't understand at all let's get to san antonio it was definitely a disappointing off season i gave them a d and I, I thought that john simmons for whatever reason you lost him maybe he was complaining he didn't want to be there or whatever you still lost the guy and they had restricted rights and they could have brought him back I mean, I think he is probably the best player of anyone coming or going for them this year, especially when you talk about who their competition is in the Western Conference, Houston and Golden State. I gave them a D minus. I expected you to grade them more highly, I think, because I, I don't know. I, I So for me, the Simmons part of it is bad, but the other two elements of this going the years, not dollars for Patty Mills. Patty Mills, you know, that amount of money per season is not bad. 12 million or so. He turns 29 this summer. So that gets sticky as you get longer into this i mean he's a backup yeah point guard now and we saw too uh, like I, I made that observation in my notes too that like if they had waited him out because remember they agreed to that very early if they had waited him out they might have been able to get him for last forgotten him on a three-year deal but i think they they really just were not willing to i mean it definitely seemed like they operated this whole summer even after the paul trade like they had like some big plans and they were going to get someone and because they agreed quickly with mills so they could utilize his low capital they got a soul to opt out and it was like it, they're operating like yeah we're gonna get someone who's really gonna change our fortunes we use cap space and then they just you know it was rudy gay for the mle 
And then I hate the Pau Gasol contract. He's 37 years old. Doesn't pull, doesn't make much sense for a team it's that's six competing million for a guaranteed. Six million guaranteed in the final year too. Zach Lowe just reported that we didn't have that yet. Like that's yeah. crazy. Three years, 48 million. I mean, he was only due 16 million this year. Like I get you have to make him whole if he opts out as part of this scheme. But like you know, you don't have to like double what he was going to get before. And as an older guy, you know, those later years become a bigger deal. It's going to be if they if they end up getting some with that space and they need to clear a little bit more i don't think other teams are going to see that as an asset and not only did they lose jonathan simmons they also lost Dwayne deadman and those guys reduced their defensive versatility they reduced their their athleticism and rudy gay could help rudy gay also turns 31 later this summer and is coming off an achilles injury so if that's really where you're going to get your jolt of energy it's a it's a big concern and Derek white i didn't know much about him going into summer league i I mean, I knew his story from Colorado and I'd watched him a little bit and he was intriguing, but he seems like another kind of low upside play. You know, maybe he's going to be a, a rotation player or something like that. And San Antonio does not have so much high end talent outside of Kawhi now where they can just take these like trying to swing for a double type things in the draft. Like, yeah, it's true that you, those guys are valuable moving forward. But after a couple of years of Kyle Anderson type guys, it's getting harder to keep doing that. Yeah. Brandon Paul, maybe someone who can help them he signed on for the minimum for a couple of years we don't know whether they're going to bring back david lee they at least got uh, Manu Ginobili to come back for presumably the minimum after they gave him that balloon payment last year but man i mean i I go back to that gasol contract where it's just like if that was really the price to get him to opt out and you didn't have a damn good idea that chris paul was going and you weren't willing to move on from parker i mean that was another thing too i mean that's you can say what you want to about their culture and all that but tony parker is someone who's making 50 million dollars a year and he's basically dead salary and they're going to go ahead and let him expire rather than move him or stretch him or something like that again it's not clear who exactly could have come there but to get no real help on the wings I, like i like the gay idea but he can't really defend i mean i think simmons will help them more generally they have Kawhi to play the four but they're probably still not going to play that way maybe if you're going to play gay and Kawhi together you really probably almost have to play small er which helps but they lost Deadman. they don't really have a good defensive option at center any longer now it's wait wait joffrey laverne's not yeah. going to fix their defensive issues at center oh uh, yes yeah so i feel like that's yeah. the reason i gave them a minus and you didn't is just because joffrey laverne i mean at the minimum he's played nba minutes before as a fifth big like it's fine for the minimum it's gonna really piss you off even more when like they rest guys and play him regularly and like still win games I mean, they can do that. And and I also want to see kind of how they handle the bottom part of their roster because, you know, they have a lot of, I think they have like 15 or 16 guys committed to. I always assumed that one of those spots was going to go to David Lee. Maybe that's not going to happen now. And I feel like Lee to Laverne is a downgrade as well. Yeah, th- that's probably right. And Gay as well. I mean, like, there's a 50% chance that he could just, like, not help them at all, and then he opts into that $8 million Well, yeah, that, that player option, like, I, I I have it in there. It's like, the player option is riskier than, than I think has been discussed by most people, and yeah. it's all downside risk. You know, like, that's the way player options are. You know, if it works out well, then it's a one-year deal, and he's gone, and all that. And if it and if it works out badly, then you're like, crap, we have this extra $8 million on our books. Yeah, $9 million, now, sorry. $9 million. And there's a lot of danger. If Aldridge 
Marriage opts in. If gay opts in, you know, they're basically out of functional space at that point. And that could be a major impediment they also have danny green becoming a free agent next year and i just i thought that they accomplished neither of their goals one of them was just to get way better this year they didn't do that and the other one would be all right let's maintain some space for 2018 when no one has it we still have a superstar in Kawhi leonard and we could just put in a ton of stuff around him with you know maybe even close to double max space and now that's no longer possible either it, it seems like with the addition of mills gasol and possibly gay in long-term money that's another 36 million in long-term money and then if you've got aldridge potentially opting in as well you know there goes all your cap space for next year and now Kawhi leonard's getting up there in age as well that's he's going to opt out he'll have a bigger cap hold in 2019 so filling in around him in 2019 will be more difficult it's uh, i mean they, they may have really just retain these guys and it's kind of like for what you know they're you're gonna be worse this year likely to me and a loss of flexibility going forward and I, I think it's less likely that LaMarcus opts in, but even, you know, like Danny Green. So you're saying there, he's probably going to opt in. I don't up. know, man. 22.3 million. You think he can get that? Well, I think, I think he'll get less in annual value, but get longer duration and go somewhere where he thinks he can be featured more something in in that realm. But you're, you're right that it's a possibility we should discuss more. But like, let's say Danny Green. Okay. Danny Green, player option, 10 million. I think that he'll opt out and get more money for more, for more years. But so if that's the case, then that you lose flexibility in 2019 and his cap hold is only I think it's it's going to be 15 million so like that's not small potatoes like that's a meaningful amount of money and you're probably not going to get him from less than that or much less than that so yeah it's they're they're in this challenge and they're spending a max slot for next year on Pau Gasol and Patty Mills those guys are combining for 28 million dollars that's bad yeah and you would have hoped maybe that like someone more dynamic at point guard they could have gotten them as well I mean even if they ended up having to sign that George Hill contract I would have rather let Mills go sign Hill to the same contract he got with Sacramento and then hopefully you know maybe even not have gay or or somehow get Gasol to take less than you know an additional 38 million dollars in guaranteed money and they could have gone in that direction perhaps and said yeah they couldn't assign gay if they had gotten Hill because that would have meant that he would have they would have had to use cap space and so they would have been limited limited to the room mid level anyway I I would have I wanted them to get better at point guard or get better on the wing they didn't and they kind of got worse just about everywhere else let's get to Utah they traded for Ricky Rubio giving up a lottery protected 2018 OKC first which actually is not going to be that good of a pick now after their improvements they made that trade for Donovan Mitchell giving up Tyler Lydon and Trey Lyles they also signed Tabo Cephalosha to five million a year for two years second year non-guaranteed Jarebko is four million a year for two years second year non-guaranteed Epiudo three years or I'm sorry three million a year for two years last year non-guaranteed on all those and they drafted Tony Bradley at 28 after trading 30 and 42 for him and then of course they lost Jordan Gordon Hayward and uh George Hill uh they waived Boris Dia who is due 7.5 million and then the other thing they did is they retained Joe Ingles and yes and he got yeah and I uh, four for 52 which is uh that's a little exorbitant for the 29 year old but that was that was back in the days when they were trying to retain Hayward this is another one of those ones where it's like all right they lost Hayward that sucked they made two moves Rubio and Ingles that in part were designed to appease Hayward they didn't get him but if you accept the reality that they had to do everything they could to retain Hayward and then that they couldn't do it, I think they did pretty well. I ended up giving them a B. I gave them an A-. And 
a big part of why is that I think a lot of the moves they made work for this team, even if Hayward was going to leave. I mean, they have Rudy Gobert. Gobert is a wonderful player. I don't think they were ever going to be like a, if they lost Hayward and just, and Rodney Hood, they they have a lot of good players. Like this was a legitimate, like top, I think they would have been a top four team in the West if they had been healthier than they were. They were the fifth seed and then won in the first round and then went to the second, partially because the Clippers had some injuries. Anyway, the guys they added, they're talented players on reasonable contracts. Rubio, two years, reasonable. Mitchell, I think was a very good draft pick and going up, I like Trey Lyles a lot less than you do, but that being the sacrifice to significantly upgrade your draft pick was huge. Tabo, Drebko, rotation players, exceedingly team-friendly contracts. Udo, you know, more of a reach, but still potentially talented, defensively versatile. And I didn't love Tony Bradley, but that's not bad. And so so they didn't sacrifice much. I th- As you said, the, the OKC pick isn't that good. And they should be able to... Uh, I, I've started looking into this a little bit. They should be able to duck the tax next year, even if they bring back Hood and Favors at the numbers I expect them to get. And both of those guys, you know, Favors can leave of his own volition. He's unrestricted. Hood is not. Like Both those guys could end up having their markets get depressed just because there's no money out there. And I think this team is pretty good. They have depth at every position that, that's pretty significant. Even Haul Neto is an excellent third string point guard, for instance. And even at the four, you know, they'll probably play Joe Johnson there. They've got favors at the five. They can slide favors over there. They've got Udo's uh, perfectly good as a third center. Jarebko gives them a shooting switching option at, at the four as well cephalosha probably the best defender that they've had on the wing in utah in since basically god i can't even remember when they've had raja bell, to go back when raja bell was actually better yeah and, and even and even raja was shorter i think cephalosha if if healthy it could get there obviously they're gonna have to grind out points with rubio cephalosha if he's gonna play playing two bigs together but i still think they've got a lot of talent on this team they can outwork teams they can out execute them they can have a top they're not gonna outscore them still <laughs> well it's still outscoring if you win 90 to 85 so. that's true uh uh so uh, the tony bradley trade was weird to me why they couldn't have just waited to get him at 30 the lakers who are at 28 weren't going to take him they already had zubach and so they basically just thought i guess dennis Lindsay, because he used to work for the spurs thought that like they were going to take him instead i just you know i didn't really think that like tony bradley's like oh man we've got to move up and get this guy uh but maybe they felt like they didn't have the roster spot for another guy in the second round anyway so might as well just go grab him but another guy who's fit i don't particularly care for and it's not really doesn't really seem like a modern player even though he showed a few things that as we talked about in summer league so yeah i i gave him a b you gave him an a minus um and i guess that'll do it here for today's show don't forget about our sponsor audible audible.com slash cap space is the url to get a free audio book and get started with them and also don't forget about our merchandise we got hats available now you can let the cap knowledge diffuse from the hat directly into your brain just put it on and you'll instantly become an nba cap expert not really and uh also the t-shirts and mugs we got plenty of those as well natedunkinnba.com click on that merchandise link in the upper right anything you need to say before we go i'll I'll say two things one that just popped on the 
the on the screen is that uh, it's a first metacarpal fracture for Danilo Gallinari, who got in a little bit of a tussle during a game, and that you know we'll see we'll see how that factors. Uh, the Clippers are very familiar with players breaking their hands in in issues, so they'll have to deal with that. And then on a personal level, uh, so the I did Tears podcast for Real GM Radio with Adi Joseph for the win. We did the East more recently, and then we did the West last week. You can listen to both those; they hold up. They hold up fine. I mean, not much has really happened other than the Allen Crab trade. And then I'll have material coming out for the Athletic SF launch. And yeah, you can pre-order my book if you want. Uh, it's not coming out until November first, but I'm putting the kind of the final touches on it this this weekend and this and this upcoming week. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back uh, middle of this week with our Eastern Conference grades, and also finally we'll have that mailbag coming at some point, uh, no later than tomorrow night uh, for Patreon subscribers talk to y'all then